1: Get the knowledge you need from America's mortgage mentor with more than 35 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. You'll learn to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently. Also, be sure to check out Jen's book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights, available on Amazon. For a signed copy, contact Jen at jenduplessis.com. Now, here is certified mortgage planner and CEO of Kinetic Spark Consulting, Jen Duplessis.
0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplassus, and I have with me today, Christine Paracas. And I know it's always hard to think of those names. Paracas, I think I'm going to have a requirement that names have to be easy, although that wouldn't help me because my names are too. But Christine Paracas is with us today, and she is the owner of Christine Paracas Global. Let me tell you a little bit about what she does, and then I'll tell you about what we're going to talk about today. Um, Christine's a business growth architect who guides small business owners to get from zero to eight figures in record time. Drawing from her experience as an attorney, a strategic advisor, serial entrepreneur, and C-suite executive in 10 businesses, a professional licensed boat captain, which I know <laughs> it's, what do you call this, a 110 the- boat captain? Yeah, and, wor- and has been world champion professional yacht racer. That's totally cool while also helping hundreds of clients in five continents. And most recently, she survived two Category 5 hurricanes in a two-week span, trapped alone in a wind coffin for almost 24 hours and surviving in the aftermath for months without electricity, running water, etc. Her upcoming book, The Resilient Leader, is going to be released in 2020, and it introduces leadership strategies called the seven barometers of resilience that anyone can use to weather any Category 5 situation
2: in their lives and in their businesses. So, what we're gonna talk about today, so welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate your noble effort in pronouncing my name. You did great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hurricane, Paracas, Paracas, yeah,
2: perfect. Uh, I'm gonna keep
0: doing it just so that I have it. So, I know know one of the things that you're really interested in, what I wanna talk about today is leadership. Because one of the things that is happening in the mortgage and real estate space is that finally, companies and individuals are Realizing that those particular sales professionals are really that. They're sales professionals. They were never set out to be team leaders or anything like that. But now what's happening is the industry is finally realizing that they need more support than being the jack of all trades and master of nothing, you know, and having to deal with all aspects of the site, the the sales cycle, getting a loan or getting a real estate mortgage. And you'll find that in other businesses, you have salespeople and then you have fulfillment people. And you don't have the salesperson trying to do all the jobs. So our industry is finally catching up with the times. And because right. of that, it poses a lot of challenges because there's not many people in the industry who have really, really good management skills or, or have ever been trained in management. <laughs> and it's just attrition. You know, if you're a great producer, then you can become a leader and then you can become a manager and then you can come, you know, all these wonderful things. And I find that in my coaching and my speaking, you know, that a lot of high level people don't really have the management skills. So if we can teach that to people at the low end who are just bringing on their first person all the way up to someone who owned their own institution, then we're going to have a better place. It's going to be more profitable. Everyone's going to be happier. There's going to be less turnover. There's a lot of different things. So Let's talk about, I want to kind of talk with some of the questions that you gave me too, and then I'll ask more. So what are some key leadership strategies in thinking again about the person who's just bringing on that first person? So can we talk about some of the leadership strategies that
2: we need to possess? Well, then I'll tell you, I'm the perfect person to talk about this because leadership was thrust upon me in a number of junctures. My last company, we grew from three of us starting this business out and uh, grew to a team of 160 people inside the first, within 12 months, but more closely six months-ish or so in and, and a $10 million a year business in four years. And so all of a sudden, I had to have management skills I didn't have any background for. And, you know, the way you were describing that journey, like, well, you get promoted or you get put into a role and then suddenly there's a team under you or you find yourself in a category five situation, which is how I characterize the hurricanes, but also things that we don't control. And having a team thrust upon you feels like it could be a category five situation, too. And there's some very specific leadership skills that we can learn, the strategies that I talk about in my upcoming book that you mentioned. Thank you for that. And most importantly, so I look at it as going to expedition rules. What are the outdoor wilderness leadership strategies that I learned when I was surviving alone in the aftermath of these hurricanes? And those are the designated leaders, the obvious ones, right? People with a title people who are peer leaders that are among their peers leaders within the group, people who are self-leaders, and people who are active followers. Those are four different kinds of leadership strategies that we can all employ no matter what position that we're in. So it's also inspiring to others. So there I was with no designated role, but needing certain things that I couldn't provide myself. And so getting help was stepping up first by being a good active follower when there were things that I could do to pitch in and being a good self leader, taking responsibility for myself when I could, and then being a good peer leader and being able to, among my peers, see what's needed, step in, volunteer, step up and put my skills to use. And so as we're getting started, being able to be aware that there are people that are depending on us or maybe just ourselves or our own families depending on us, then there are things that we can do to step forward.
0: Yeah. So I like all those categories. So let's make sure that we have that. So we have a designated leader, we have a self-leader, and we have a something else, and then we have an active follower.
2: Right, a peer leader, right? A leader amongst peers. So that would be in a situation where you're not acting for yourself and you're not the designated leader, but you're a leader among your peers because you're just stepping up, right? In that case where somebody's just got one person they're reporting to or they've been a part of a team, those latter three roles of leadership are available to us all. Okay, I want to talk about the active follower because to me
0: that's on the lower part of that, but how can an active follower help a leader? What are some ways that an active follower, and I'm thinking of this specifically as you hire your first, let's call it an assistant, which I hate that word, but you hire your first person who's going to help you on your team or your company. And how can that active or that active follower help push forward from that perspective? So I'm actually asking from the bottom up rather than top down.
2: Yeah, I'm a yacht racer, as you mentioned. Thank you again for that. But, you know, I'm part of a team. There's 10 of us on the boat and every job is really important. But the fact is, when we win or lose, it's all going to come on. The credit or the blame is going to go to two people, the driver, which is usually the owner in our fleet, and the tactician, who's the one gets blamed for all the bad moves. But everybody has a role to play. And so what we're doing at all times, every single one of us is looking out for what's going on over here in my peripheral vision or ahead of me or behind me, where I can step forward and pitch in if I've got a free hand or a moment in between jobs. So I have a very busy job on the boat at the center of the boat, the nerve center in the pit, but I impact what's going on in front of me and I impact what's going on behind me. So there are going to be times when I might need help and I'm hoping someone else is going to step up and help me. Or I will have a free hand and be able to do something different or adjust or go show up. And from the back of the boat, you've got somebody who's a designated leader, like the helms person in the situation. If they see something that needs to be handled, they might be the right person to go forward. And I've seen that with really good professional yacht racers who they're leaping all over the boat because they see what needs to be done and they know they have a place and they can help because everybody else has got their hands full.
0: Yeah. So in the business world, how does that push things forward for people? I mean, I can see how it might help on a boat because everything's instant reactionary. You don't know what waves are going to do, what the wind's going to do, right? And I can see that. But business environment, how does that help move the business along and grow profits over time? How does that
2: help? I have an experience way back when I was in a school, in one of my programs, where I was in a study group. And everybody had their assignments and we were all contributing to the group. And in any kind of group, usually you're going to see the stars, people who are always done early and they got it all done the best. And there's the people who are lagging and they don't contribute. And the ideal functioning team is when everybody looks at each other. And I had this experience and they say, gosh, I feel like I didn't hardly do anything. And everyone else had the same experience. And they felt that all the others had contributed so much. That's a winning success formula where everybody is an active follower. They've done their very best and they just feel like it doesn't compare to what everyone else is doing. That team is going to be exceeding all goals and uplifted and reaching their potential at every turn.
0: Yeah, I love, love, love that example. (laughs) Yeah, I love that example. Thank you. Thank you. So hopefully that resonates with everyone. That's pretty powerful that you go home and you feel like all I do is work, work, work. And a lot of times people will say, I'm just going to put my nose to the grind and I'm just going to do my own job and not worry about everybody else. But that's actually a deficit in moving the success of the entire team or the corporation forward. That's actually a deficit to that because then someone every day will have the brunt of the workload to be done or the concerns or whatever it may be. I love that. So thank you very much. That helps me understand more fully the active follower and what their role is in helping people.
2: So when well, and I can tell you one more little bit, you know, I work with senior leaders in transition. I think I mentioned that to you in our exchanges. And what I say to them is you come in here prepared to help. If you give everything you've got in terms of your resources, and everybody has the same attitude, you're gonna get back tenfold, the next financial result. Thank you for sharing that. But
0: at the same time, let me just make sure, are you saying that? Because I do believe to a certain extent that people should stay in their own lane. Like you have your role, you know, your role, you should stay in your own lane and not try to do someone else's job. Helping them is another story, right? But try to stay in your own lane, because I know for me as a team lead, and of course I have my own businesses, still have my own businesses, but But as a team lead, I don't want to come in and expect to have to do things that not aren't beneath me, that I'm not talking about beneath me stuff because I can make copies and all that. I'm talking about things that if I focus on those, your job and your duties and your tasks, then I'm therefore not focusing on my job and my duties and my tasks, which are to bring business in, to be the rainmaker, whatever the position may be. So walk us through that fine line. Like how do we make sure that we remain the leader, if we're the leader in the, in the team, that we remain the leader, but also demonstrate that we're willing to roll up our sleeves without crossing that line so often that it becomes a habit.
2: Yeah, you know, that's one of my barometers, a couple of barometers of resilience that, that come to mind when we're talking about that scenario, right? It's the first one is expedition rules, right? when we're all going out to, whether it's to climb Mount Everest or to go circle the world in a boat or just circle some buoys offshore a little bit, you know, a couple miles out, we're all trying to reach an objective. So if we have an agreement as a group and understand that clearly, and we are prepared to make sure that we're not here to pick up your slack, we're here to do more than our share. And if everyone has the same attitude, then we can keep our eye out right? And that's the second piece of the barometers of resilience that come to mind, which is we have an expression in yacht racing or in boating altogether, which is one hand on the boat. And that means always keeping yourself basically both personally self-aware and situationally aware. So it's not about stepping in and picking up the slack for somebody, but really saying, hey, there's a piece here in our very well-knit group, our tightly run unit, that is not able to step forward for one reason or another, what can we as a group do to support them? And from an expedition standpoint, that we're all here to survive or reach the summit of whatever the goals are and they were trying to achieve, then the group together can solve these issues and lift everybody up. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) I think it's a great question. Yeah. Well, thank you. What are some of the biggest mistakes that leaders make Well, you know, that really a couple of things that are so critical. I love using my boat analogies because they're perfect for these situations, right? Self-awareness to me is the foundational piece of leadership, right? And it's one that's so easy to handle. And yet so few of us take the time, make the effort and put in the learning that it takes to really become aware. We're autonomic, reflexive people. We tell ourselves stories about things that are happening rather than really understanding the facts of what are happening. And if we're not aware of those things, we don't know what's coming across and we lose track then situationally as well. And the key metric for measuring that skill or the leadership skills in general is communication. So not having good communication skills, to me, is the biggest breakdown of all leadership. And I'm as guilty as anybody of that. You know, would I know then what I know now? But having a communication plan, and being able to say to everybody and knowing your communication styles. Communication can be systematized for a business just like human resources and finance and all these other systems that are very commonly understood. Is to really understand if you're communicating the same way to everyone in your company, you're going to miss out on 75% of those people. It's so
0: counterintuitive to, I mean, I have a lot of management training, but it's so counterintuitive to what everyone believes as a manager is that I need to treat everyone fairly and the same, right? The same. Yes, you should treat everyone fairly, but you can do it by not treating them the same. I don't know how to, I I, I mean, I know it sounds really weird, but you can't treat everybody exactly the same because everyone has different skill levels and willingness and ability and there's all kinds of attributes that are in there that you can treat everyone fairly, but you can't treat everyone the same. So yeah, I think that's interesting because as you were talking about communication, I was going to counterbalance with one person's thinking of Being a good communicator is not another receiver's thinking. Absolutely. Some people bark out tasks to be done. Some give half a story because their head goes twice as fast and they're already at the end and they go, you got it. And the person goes, right, okay, because they're afraid to say anything. So I think communication and really being really, really good at it. So what's a good way that someone could learn how to be a better and more effective communicator other than thinking that they're doing a great bang up job at it right now? do analysis of it.
2: Well, if they've never spent any time thinking about it, I'm guaranteed they're not doing a great job at it, right? (laughs) Because people are hearing them, but not listening, or they're not getting it, or they're not responding to them. That's a guarantee. But you said it yourself, and I have a little tool, in fact, which I'll send to you because I love to give it to your audience. Very simple. I draw from the DISC method, you know, the DISC. Yeah. So I have a simple, very quick task, people, introvert, extrovert, a four-part little chart that you can adept at. So you can literally look at somebody or hear them answering the telephone and know exactly whether they're task-oriented and introverted or a people-oriented extrovert or a people-oriented introvert. Because every one of those people, in order to make a decision or to get on board or to engage with whatever you're asking of them, they are going to require different things. So, you know, a D person, a task-oriented extrovert wants to get to the bottom line. And an introverted task-oriented person wants to see all the facts and figures and the spreadsheets and all the backstory to how you got there. And so that's a really critical piece, but you can get it really quick just by being aware that this is a need to do that.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I just want to share a little bit of a story. I had a, a processor who worked for me. And I'm not a barker at all anymore, but I think maybe someplace in the back I might have been Guilty. High, you know, at, the, at that point in time, I was a high D and I, I still am a very high I. I'm a 99 I out of 100. Um, I believe that. <laughs> I was a high D, but now I'm much, much lower. I'm below 50% actually now. But I would come in and say, hey, good morning, Robin. I need this, 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 and that done. And she go, excuse me, I'm not going to do anything for you with an attitude like that. And I'm thinking, I don't even have an attitude. It's just bottom line. Right, right. Get it done. Yeah. That's all you can. Do. I had to learn to do yoga outside of her office. I, just before I go in, I go, mm, okay, let me think for a minute, take a breath, and walk in. Hey, Robin, how was your night? Oh, that's great. What's <laughs> for dinner? Oh, that's wonderful. And I, you know, meanwhile, my foot's patting like a busy uh, rabbit on the ground, and I'm like, oh my god, just do this. <laughs> and I say, oh, well, that's great. Hey, listen, so we've got a lot of on our agenda today. Do you have a few minutes that we can talk? And she's like, yeah. Right. Makes all the difference, right? Yeah. It makes a big difference. And I, you know, I love telling that story as it relates to management because we do have to, it's actually called situational leadership. I love, love, love it. I love working with you. So tell us a little bit about how this can apply to corporation. You know, we talked about a team, but how could this apply to an entrepreneur? So Let's say I'm listening to this podcast and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm thinking, I want to grow, but I don't know how to grow because I was a great widget maker, but I'm not really good at HR, I'm not really good at management, so I'll just take it all on myself. What are some tactics or strategies that they could be looking at to allow themselves to start growing? And then second part of that is where can they go get some training on how to become a more effective leader and communicator?
2: So there's a whole bunch of, you know, to unpack there and, and most especially and first, an entrepreneur needs to get a team around them, whatever that looks like, however that gets formed. So that's why I'm sure you and I are effective in our businesses because we can offer that outside 30,000 foot perspective. The reason that I got into doing this in the first place is because I was a do-it-every, do-it-all type of entrepreneur over and over again. And I found myself running a multi-million dollar business and having nobody that I felt I could really count on in my corner. Can't talk to your team. You can't talk to your partners out bringing in all the business. Nobody understands the path I'm on or the road, you know, my burdens. And so having that kind of support, critical lesson, don't go it alone. And then putting into place people who share your common values knowing yourself well enough to know who is going to get on this train with me and take it all the way to the end. I've been in partnerships with people who've said, you know, I want to use this business as my personal checkbook and I'm thinking legacy, I want to build something. I want to have something lasting and we're at complete odds, you know, or who are you taking money in from when you're going out and getting investment? And are you willing to sign away your company or huge chunks of equity without really understanding what are they about? Do they understand my values? Are we on the same page for the long-term vision of this business and our core ideology? So those are the kinds of things that I think are really critical at the outset. And a lot of entrepreneurs get super excited about the idea of getting into business. And maybe they've come across one or two or handful of people that are also equally excited. And I have documented and put together many of those kinds of partnerships only to see in a very short time and longer time, those things fall apart because we go in as if it's not a business marriage. And so understanding that we should date before we marry, we should have some ways that we honor the relationships and take care of each other, certain performance levels we expect of each other, have all those uncomfortable conversations up front so that when things get difficult, we've got a method for handling them.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a very good point that you make as well is about knowing what it looks like too. I've seen so many people hire people because they get overwhelmed and stressed and they hit that breaking point and say, I just need somebody. And then they just bring anybody in right. and it doesn't right. work out and you end up being in a worse situation. So it really is important to sit down and figure out what does the cultural vision just as much as the financial vision look like when you move forward with everyone. I absolutely love it. Okay. So you have a gift for my listeners and that is an
2: ebook. So tell us about the ebook. So this is the 45 minute challenge for those small business growth entrepreneurs out there in the audience that want to understand how to stop doing the things that aren't producing results, right? I mean, there is, a part of us that gets just a repeat over and over again. And you see this all the time in other people's websites and their business cards and their billboards, which is the highest expenditure ever. When you drive down the freeway and you see a billboard that has a phone number, call me, you know, get it something that is, oh, we've been in business a hundred years. Who cares, right? I want to know how you're going to solve my problem. And every one, no matter what our role is, whether we're a business owner, an entrepreneur, a leader, a team member, we have to convince people that we know how to solve their problems, whether it's even if it's people you're reporting to, people you're trying to sell to. So we're here to show you how to identify the problems that we solve that is the number one problem in your head that you want to solve. There's a bunch of tactics and strategies and tactics in that book to help people start thinking that way. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for
0: sharing that with everyone. So we'll have that link here in the show. So if my someone has something that resonates with you and they'd like to get a hold of you, what is the best method for them to reach out to you?
2: So Parakisglobal.com is my website and there's links to my last book and my online business advisory and so on and lots of content there. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: And I know that you also do some coaching and things like that. So we'll have those links in here as well so that everyone can take a look and see if it's something that they want to do. And for clarity purposes, your ideal client is a senior leader, right? A senior leader who is committed to reaching the best potential that they possibly can and recognizing that they may not be right now. So I want to make sure that everybody knows about that, that's your ideal client, but that doesn't mean that you can't call her. It doesn't mean you can get in touch with her and ask the questions about what you're dealing with. So as we close up today, what are you reading right now? What book are you reading right now that's making an impact on your life?
2: I have two books that I, are the most important books to me that I can read over and over again. And one of them is Vern Harnish's Scaling Up. And that's wherever you are in your business, whatever your role is, you can learn something about how to make the most of this job you have or the business that you run. It's fantastic, and it's scalable, whether you're a startup or a Fortune 100, and that's the beauty of that work. And the second book is called Take Your Time by Eknath Eswaran, who is the first person to have brought meditation from India. And it's a small book. It's a short read, but I tell you, he wrote it in the mid-90s. He could have written it yesterday. I can only imagine what he'd think of our world today. But the idea of slowing down, taking our time, getting rid of this multitasking as a virtue thing, it is a beautiful little guidebook for that. That's awesome.
0: That's right up my alley. I always say slow down to speed up instead of speeding up to slow down. So I love the name of that as well. So we'll make sure that the link is in here so that people can pick up that book as well. Christine, I want to say thank you so much. I love the Cat 5 I love the barometers. I can't wait for your new book to come out. And just as a reminder for everybody, um, if I can find it here real quick, oh, my gosh, where's your book? Your new book coming out in 2020 is The Resilient Leader. Seven introduces leadership strategies, the seven barometers of resilience so that you can weather any category five situation in your lives and your business to come through and survive and thrive. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and best of wishes for you in 2020. I know you have a lot of things going on. So be sure to let us know when the book is launched so
2: we can help you get it to number one. I love it. Thank you so much, Jen. And thanks to everybody for listening. I hope this was of some value to you, no matter what your Category 5 situations were. Thanks so much, Jen, for having me. Absolutely. Take mm-hmm. care. Again, thank you so much for listening
0: in to our podcast today. And as a reminder, if you can write a review for us, give us a five-star rating and write us a review so we can continue to grow. And anytime you have any questions about any topics that you'd like to have discussed please don't forget to reach out to me at jenduplusses.com. There's a contact form in there and you can just say, hey, Jen, can you guys talk about this? And I would be happy to find someone or myself to have that conversation with you. So thank you again for
1: listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Looking to streamline and launch your practice by accessing Jen's tools, courses, classes, presentations, and resources? Visit genduplessis.com to learn about the features and benefits thousands of other professionals have experienced by enrolling in Jen's Lifetime Membership Program. Isn't it about time you consider a coach to take your business to new heights? Contact Jen to start your application process today. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in next week.